Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook, and this is a talk based on Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 to the end. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's tempting when you have to preach on the gospel reading set for this Sunday to allow your eyes to light on those words at the end where Jesus is being the sort of comforting Jesus we want him to be and ignore the verses that have come before where Jesus is angrily laying into the local towns who'd seen miracle after miracle and had not turned to God. I was looking at the sermon I preached last time these readings came round and I see that I did exactly that. But this time I don't want to duck it. I want to look at both because they do in a way belong together. It is remarkable when you think about it how little impact the miracles of Jesus seem to have had on the people that saw them. He certainly drew large crowds, so many that he had to escape to lonely places to have time to think and pray and eat. There were individuals like Bartimaeus who followed him as a result of being healed. But by and large, the enthusiasm of the crowds seems to have been pretty shallow. They brought their sick to be healed, they liked it when Jesus denounced the religious authorities, but in the end, of course, it all melted away. All the way through the Gospels, Jesus performed miracles of healing out of compassion for people, the people who were sick or in need, and not as any kind of evangelistic tool. The miracles were signs, but they seem to have been signs that only a very few were able to read. Most people seem to have seen Jesus as a man who could do remarkable things rather than seeing beyond the miracle to the source of authority that made it possible. And just imagine if something that, like what happened in Capernaum started happening in your hometown. I imagine the reaction would be much the same. It would be sensational word would get out and people would flock to your miracle town. You'd have to put on several services a day to get everyone in. It would go viral on social media. But would it have the kind of deep down transformational effect that Jesus found so lacking in his local villages? It's easy to imagine that it wouldn't. In time the miracles would stop happening and the crowds would start thinning. All sorts of explanations would be given for the phenomenon. People would talk about trickery and hype. And years later, it would be remembered, maybe hankered over, but things would be back the way they were. Woe to you, Karazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in dust and ashes. The proper response to miracles, it seems, is repentance. The proper response to seeing God at work is to seek fundamental personal transformation. The actual response to miracles in Jesus's hometowns had been almost the opposite. Indignation in some, and just a plain appetite for more miracles in others. Now this may all seem a bit academic because I imagine you probably haven't seen an outbreak of miracles in your hometown. 
People won't have been climbing over each other to get into church on Sunday. One service a day has probably been plenty to fit everyone in. But we are surrounded by miracles every day. Maybe not the sort of sensational miracles that brought the crowds flocking around Jesus, but miracles just the same. It depends on what you mean by a miracle, of course. But I would say a miracle is anything God does. At the extraordinary end are the ones which bend the normal way nature works, and at the other are the things we see every day without noticing. Jesus is angry with his local towns because they had this enormous opportunity, the unique privilege of being there when these things were happening, and it had not changed them. In fact, in some familiarity with Jesus bred contempt. Who is this guy? Isn't he Joseph's son? Aren't his brothers here? Who does he think he is? And that should be a warning to us who are surrounded by miracles every day. Miracles of beauty, miracles of kindness, miracles of plenty. Instead of just bringing us satisfaction and a desire for more. These things should draw us to God in thankfulness and praise. Otherwise, like Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum, we'll find ourselves on the wrong side of judgment. We who have so much should be the least complacent, not the most. And so to the comforting words at the end, come to me all who are weary and are heavy, heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word yoke conjures up images either of the yellow centre of an egg, spelt differently I know, or of a buxom young milkmaid with a piece of wood across her shoulders and a bucket on either end. Sadly, the word Jesus was using was for a piece of wood that joined two oxen together for the purpose of ploughing. It was a device for making sure that the beasts pulled together in the right direction and not against each other. Are you feeling weary? There seems to be a lot of weariness around. The invitation is to come and find rest for your souls. So I think the picture is that we have to come to Jesus carrying our bird, whatever that may be, and lay it down. We all know that feeling when you're struggling along with something you can barely carry, and finally you get to the point where you can set it down and straighten up. What a good feeling that is. Bring me your burdens and rest. Just think for a moment about how that concept of rest is built into our faith. There in the creation story, God rested on the seventh day. Was that because God was tired or was it for a deeper reason? The principle is reinforced in the Ten Commandments. The seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord. On it you shall do no work, no one in your household, not even your livestock, because the Lord rested on the seventh day. Every seven years was to be a Sabbath year when the land was allowed to rest from being farmed. After seven lots of seven years, there was to be a jubilee when the land would revert to its original owners. Dying and going to be with the Lord is described as entering into rest. 
I think the Sabbath principle is that as well as being productive, we also need to find time to appreciate what we've produced. We need to do, but we also need to stop doing. There's a rhythm of work and rest built into the created order. If you're feeling weary and burdened, the invitation is to come and rest. We need to try to mirror that in our church life. We should look forward to coming to church like you might look forward to a soak in a nice hot bath or an hour in a hammock. I wouldn't want you to take that too far, mind, because we come to offer our worship to God. But a test of whether we've got our priorities right is that it should feel life-giving to be in church. We need to come to God and rest in his presence. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We lay down our clumsy, heavy burden, which is chafing our neck, and pick up the one God offers, the one which fits us perfectly. A call to swap that heavy burden that is not suited to us for an easy one that fits us perfectly. Instead of staggering under a heavy load, God invites us to harness ourselves to his kingdom purpose for us. If the load is heavy and hurting, it's not God's burden. It's one we've picked up from somewhere else. So are you feeling weary? God invites you to come and in one way or another to lay your burden down. The practicalities of your life will probably say the same. You'll still have the same amount of money, the same health issues, the same family problems. But the sense of failure, the sense of responsibility, of guilt, self-doubt, can be laid at God's feet. God offers rest for our souls and a new lighter burden to bear, which is made for our shoulders. The people of Jesus' hometowns were being encouraged to surrender their arrogance, which had meant that they couldn't recognise a miracle when it was happening right in front of them, and which was hurting their necks and leading them towards judgment, and to take up the task Jesus was offering to allow the miracles to change their lives. Down through the centuries, the same mixture of frustration and invitation comes to us. Are we going to struggle on in our own self-satisfaction? Or are we going to allow the miracles we experience every day to change us? So Jesus being angry and Jesus being comforting are one and the same Jesus. The warning is there and the invitation is there. You can't really have one without the other. Don't ignore the warning. Accept the offer. I think that's the message in the Gospel for today.